Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There are now more than 1,000 cases in 38 states in Washington, D.C. The largest cluster in the country. It's happening in the New York City suburb of New Rochelle. The National Guard has been called in. New states of emergency have been declared in Colorado, Massachusetts, and Michigan. We will see more cases, and things will get worse than they are right now. Bottom line, it's going to get worse. We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. We have already lost uh, 24, 24 of our citizens. We're heading towards an epidemic in the United States, and the question is what the scope of that is going to be. Tom Hanks and his wife, the actress Rita Wilson, have announced that they have both tested positive for coronavirus. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. So that was a year ago that the WHO officially declared it a worldwide pandemic. And as you heard Dr. Gottlieb there saying, uh, I, we don't know the extent of how bad this epidemic is going to be. And obviously, we did not. Um, and uh, Dr. Fauci said it's going to get much worse before it gets better. It certainly was true. So what did they say at the beginning of that? There were a thousand verified cases across 38 states at that point. Mm. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Imagine the next time something comes through. Because I ignore, I ignored all your SARS and bird flu and pig flu and various things all the years. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody will ignore these in the beginning ever again. No. They'll probably it, overreact. Well, yeah, that's the question, and it's uh, it's an interesting one. What will the reaction look like in the future, given the benefit of... Uh, Living through this one time, I hope, I hope it'll be a lot better. I hope it will be less restrictive, more enlightened. I hope we won't rush to give emergency powers to idiot government officials. Well, wouldn't we? Of course, of course, viruses are different. You could get a different virus that has different characteristics. Sure. Yeah, um, and good then, point. And then you might have to have different rules. But if you had a similar sort of thing, there's no reason to shut schools at all. Just everybody mask up. Right, if indeed we have similar, uh, you know, child fatality trends and that sort of thing. Of course, the the regular flu hits the young pretty badly, doesn't it? Uh, a lot worse than COVID nineteen. But anyway, uh, these are all imaginaries or, or hypotheticals, and we're in the midst of one uh, right now. True that. Josh Rogan, who writes for the Washington Post, among others, has been uh, front and center in the discussion of the origin of COVID and the sins of China. He's doing some really good work. He was on uh, a special report with Brett Baer last night. We have some clips of him. Also, he put out, uh, Politico, I should say, put out a big excerpt from his book, uh, which we'll share with you in a couple of minutes. But it's compelling stuff. Let's just go ahead with clip number 71. For, you know, months and months and months, we heard this seafood market theory. But then in May, the Chinese CDC actually disavowed the seafood market theory. But nobody really noticed because it had become so ingrained in our psyche that this was what happened. And now here we are a year later, and we have both the Trump administration and the Biden administration agreeing, in fact, that several uh, things that were pointing towards a connection of human error related to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the world's leading center for back coronavirus research that diplomats warned about in 2018, uh, were suspicious and were not what the Chinese government and the lab were saying. 
And that doesn't mean the lab was involved. It doesn't mean the lab wasn't involved. It means that it's a legitimate question to be answered, and we need more investigation. So yeah. a year later, we found out that not only were they hiding it, uh, information during the pandemic, they were hiding it before the pandemic. So I think it's worth pointing out, and that was some good, even-handed journalism. He's saying just because we have evidence doesn't mean we have proof. We don't have a, a conclusion about the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But one of the more interesting things he said, that it was easy to that let it pass by, well, he kind of implied it. This is not some secret lab nobody knew about. And the WHO then demanded they be allowed to inspect, and China said, oh, no, 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 this is classified, we can't let you in there. This was a lab everybody knew about, international scientists had been working in, our people had put out some major statements about during the Trump administration, which we'll get to in a second or two. So it was a lab that the international community had access to for a very long time. They worked there. But then after the outbreak of covid And when the WHO finally, after months and months and months, begged their way into China to take a look at the origin of the thing, all of a sudden it was uh, no go. They wouldn't let anybody into the lab to check around. You know, that's not proof, but that's mighty compelling. No, that's the cookies are missing, and you go in your kid's room, and you start to walk toward the closet. Don't look in the closet. Why not? I just don't want you to look in the closet. Yeah. Mm, Come on. Yeah. So the headline to this excerpt from his book, Politico published, is in 2018, diplomats warned of risky coronavirus experiments in a Wuhan lab. Nobody listened. On January 15th, in its last days, President Trump's State Department put out a statement with serious claims about the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic. The statement said the U.S. intelligence community had evidence that several researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology Laboratory were sick with COVID-like symptoms in autumn 2019, implying the Chinese government had hidden crucial information about the outbreak for months, and that the WIV lab, despite, quote, presenting itself as a civilian institution, close quote, was conducting secret research projects with the Chinese military. The State Department alleged a Chinese government cover-up and asserted that, and I quote, Beijing continues today to withhold vital information that scientists need to protect the world from this deadly virus and the next one. And though the exact origin of the new coronavirus remains a mystery to this day, the search for answers is not just about assigning blame. Unless the source is located, the true path of the virus can't be traced, and scientists can't properly study the best ways to prevent future outbreaks. That's definitely some of it. That's the that's the science part of it. There's great benefit, as you just said, to knowing all the information. There's also the what it means about China aspect of it. What That's does it, huge. What does it mean about uh, the country that wants to take over the world that they're stonewalling everybody on this? That should scare the hell out of everyone. This reminds me a little bit of the, uh, the Cold War. At, at certain points, there was this huge battle. And this sounds so stupid if you hadn't haven't studied history, because history class is always taught in terms of, of battles and wars and leaders and the rest of it. But there was then, and there is now, a giant PR war, a giant branding war, a Coke versus Pepsi branding war between the Western world and the communist world, in this case, China. And though it sounds dumb, if we could, if we can convince the world of the utter recklessness, evil, and dishonesty 
of the Chinese regime that might actually help various third world countries and, and folks who are teetering between the two systems. That might help them make the right decision. I certainly hope so. Although China will just bribe their officials and, and deal with that that way. All right. They got the WHO to include in the report that there's a chance it was frozen food that came from the United States. So please. That makes it difficult. It's a joke. I caught the tail end of an interview this morning on MSNBC when I switched over to it. They were interviewing somebody about how um, Chuck Schumer is really on board with the dangers China poses. And it's now a bipartisan view, Republicans and Democrats, that we got to get tough on China at every aspect. So things things are changing fast in terms of the attitude toward China. The idea that the two sides could agree on anything is kind of odd these days. Well, the two sides agreed for 40 years, 50 years. 50, yeah. That cutting uh, China a break and letting them get richer and richer was good for everybody. Well, now we all agree that didn't work. That was a bad idea. Yeah, perhaps the worst idea in uh, the last 500 years. Maybe the worst idea in the history of the world. Could end up being, certainly. Yeah. In terms of human uh, freedom versus subjugation and pain and the rest of it? Yeah, it could be. Boy, that's a hell of a thing to think. (laughs) But if you got Chuck Schumer and Mike Pompeo on the same page, that's a really good sign. Yeah, well, and a sign of just how awful China is. Right. right. China is asshole! In short, sir, uh, that's well said. Yeah, well, that that was one of your Hong Kong protesters there, that clip, right? And I know you're going to talk at some point about how Hong Kong is, is over. Yeah, the long and short of it is China just outlawed any candidate that they don't approve of. Beijing will now approve all candidates for office in Hong Kong, so it's over. Good night. Yeah, that's how easily it can happen. Mm-hmm. And that's why, unless some of you think we're alarmists or wackadoos or libertarian, uh, you know, cuckoos. But if you give away your freedom too easily, the powers that be don't give it back. I mean, look at your state. I don't know what state you live in. Drop us an email. Tell us what state you live in. Um, I know in Cal Unicornia, state the of so-called disarray. state yeah, of disarray, state of confusion. Uh, in Cal Unicornia, the so-called emergency powers given to the half-wit governor are still being held by said governor, even though ninety percent of the counties in California couldn't by any stretch be described as being in an emergency. They have more than enough resources and more than enough ability to deal with what they're being confronted with COVID-wise right now. But those emergency powers are still being held just in gauge. That, that's the constant in human history. We need to talk, of, talk more about Marco Rubio uh, leading the charge on making daylight saving time permanent. That's, that's an interesting issue to get behind. Every, yeah. Everybody agrees pretty much. Well, what was that one guy who was going to try to ride the metric system to the White House oh, back when Hillary was running? Right. O'Malley or yeah, that's right. O'Mara that was his big thing. Or, yeah, and I yeah. yeah. Funny. Uh, another woman came forward about Governor Cuomo. Got mad when she saw him in his press conference last week and said, "All right, I can't keep my mouth shut any longer." We'll tell you about that. And I truly and deeply apologize. Shut for up. It. It might have been that phony crying that set her off. She thought, all right, that's yeah. it. I'm, I'm, Too much. I'm raising my head up here. <laughs> um, and a bunch of other stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Set me free. 
New Jersey, I read about an Amtrak worker who is being accused of stealing some interesting equipment. Listen to this. An Amtrak engineer from New Jersey is accused of stealing 77 chainsaws, 103 chainsaw bars, and 163 chains from Amtrak. Luckily, you'll have no problem in jail. Like, what are you in for? Stealing chainsaws. <laughs> Every birthday, his wife looks at her gift box like, let me guess, another chainsaw. <laughs> Put in the closet with the other one. <laughs> That's an odd joke. <laughs> let me guess, another chainsaw. <laughs> On, baby, it's an 18-inch bar. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Uh, what do we got coming up? It's good. I can't wait. Hundreds of people polled on their greatest regrets, and the results are undeniable. These are old people? Uh, mostly. People of all ages. There are actually a couple of different polls. Okay. Were any of the people's largest regret participating in this survey? <laughs> <laughs> no, Sean. No. <laughs> So, as I often say as a caveat, I don't really care who's the governor of New York, but um, Governor Cuomo has got another woman that came forward yesterday who says that he called her to his private office, said he's having trouble with his phone or computer or something like that and needed help. She went there and then he stuck his hand under her blouse. Oh, my. What's a blouse exactly? It's a, it's a shirt that's not gathered, I think. Okay. At the bottom, it's a it's a loose it's a lady shirt. It's just to go with that. Okay, it's a anyway, shirt on a girl. Anyway, she uh, she had kept her mouth shut, obviously. But when she heard him say the other day, "I have never touched anybody inappropriately. This, these are just misunderstandings of friendship or whatever," she's like, no, "All right, I can't put up with that." So mm. she's number six or something like that. And again, why is this the biggest deal when he uh, killed old people and then covered it up? But yeah, to that end, uh, Craig, the Obamacare, or Craig, the healthcare guru, texted me overnight uh, this headline from the Babylon Bee, their tweet. Ten thousandth victim comes forward to accuse Cuomo of inappropriately killing her grandma. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Keep that in mind. That is pretty good. Yeah. Just saw this headline. The Ken doll turned 60. How Barbie's man stays looking so young. These aren't real people. He's do, plastic? Do people understand this? Like a lot of Hollywood stars, he's plastic? <laughs> that's, that's clever. It's a clever headline. Oh, is that what it's meant to be? <laughs> Click on me. Click as, on me. As Joe mentioned <laughs> earlier, Derek Chauvin, trial judge, reinstates third-degree murder charges, which is a fairly big deal. I just need to, going forward, we're going to call it the George Floyd trial. It seems that's what everybody's using for shorthand. Um, so it's just depending on what name you know best, because the O.J. Simpson trial as it was called, was about the guy who was being charged. The Scott Peterson trial was about the guy being charged. But there have been other trials where the famous person was the victim. And so Uh, it's the George Floyd trial. That's what I'm seeing on the TV and everywhere. Well, I feel no need to follow their lead, but I don't... Well, I don't don't either. I just want to say what so people understand what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think George Floyd trial is the way to go with it. Okay. Um, Booty bump is another word for hooping. That's the taking the drugs in your hiney. Through the bottom end. Yes. Flowing oh. south to north, like the Nile. So, uh, Sean just handed this to me. The NBA 
thinks it's got too much three-point shooting going on, and it's just become a three-point shooting contest, and that's uh, losing a lot of the, uh, the, the... So it's kind of similar to the Major League Baseball, thinking it's just all home runs now. So yeah. It's similar. The people have done the math and figured out the, the best way to win is to go all in on this particular strategy, which kind of lessens some of the variety of... And the, the, the Golden league. State Warriors ran roughshod on the league for about five years employing that very strategy, but they're talking about... Maybe giving you a certain number of three-pointers that you're allowed per game. Maybe 20. After you attempt 23 pointers, then they go back to just being a two-point shot. Until the mm. very end of the game, at the last few minutes of the game, then it would become a three-point shot again. And then it's no rules at all. You can punch your opponent. It's just Thunderdome. <laughs> it's like the purge. It's Thunderdome. <laughs> oh, that seems kind of complicated to me. Yeah, uh, that's, that's not a weird. workable solution. Not that the players mm. are going to argue with each other over who takes the threes. <laughs> what if you, man? Oh how? yeah, for their stats, Michael, you're mm-hmm. right because that results in a giant contract. That's interesting. You know, so uh, similar to the problem with baseball, f- average fans seem to like the home run strikeout thing. And with the NBA, it seems average fans like the high-score three-point thing more than they grind it out, throw it into the post. The game is 82-78 to 78 at the end game that it used to be back in the 90s. In the well, 80s. I, I suspect the NBA is talking about this for good reason, though. They must have uh, data that shows that the fans are not digging it. Yeah, I don't know. It's too much it, sameness. If you took away the three-point shot right now, it would become a completely different game. Because centers has become like who I don't even do I need a center? I mean, compared right. to it used to be the most important person on your team. If you want fewer three point shots, make a four point shot. Problem solved. <laughs> wow, wow, he's gunning it up That's from half court all game good. long. That's pretty good. I mean, you already got Lillard and Steph Curry jacking up half quarters already. Man, that should be worth more than three. How about this? You miss a three, you lose a point. <laughs> I love uh, that. And or you're allowed to foul guys who are shooting three-pointers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like take a point away if you miss a three. Hmm. That's not, that might be workable. Regrets on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Before we get on to the substance of the segment, I wanted to send this out with love to our friends from and in the Midwest. Does Siri have trouble understanding your Midwest accent? Hey there, Siri. What's a guy got to do to find Nightcrawler's Nash Wabanon? Dial in 911, you are having a stroke. No, 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 no. Siri, remind me to get a bag of bagels. Did you mean bagel? Yeah, bagels. I'm sorry. Did you say bagel? Bagels. Hey, Siri, find me some... Oh. Finding dope near you. A crepe, Siri. Okay, I found a recipe for crepes. Crepes. Okay, that's it. Hang on there, slugger. There's a solution. It's called Midwest Siri, better known as Cheryl. Cheryl Lazinski. How did you get in here? You left the door open. Oh, did you need me, dear? Hey, Cheryl. Oh, hi, hon. How are your folks doing? Tell them I says hi, won't ya? Simply download the new iOPS update and let Cheryl do the rest. Cheryl, how far is Glambeau Field from here? Glambeau Field is 40.9 minutes from Manitowoc. If you beeline it. Hey, Cheryl, set my alarm for 7 a.m. I'm going to make it 6.30, so you have time to stop and get some glazers from the quick trip. Good thinking, Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl, what's the weather like out there? High at 23 and 10 mile per hour winds. A heat wave if I've ever seen one. Jeans and a hoodie should do it. Cheryl, what are the chances the Bears beat the Packers this year? Oh, <laughs> good one, sweetie. That's a knee slapper. <laughs> 
you should be a comedian. <laughs> oh, thanks, Cheryl. I appreciate that. <laughs> Cheryl can even help learn your behaviors and weed out bad habits. Cheryl, add kale to the grocery list. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> Cheryl, add brandy and brats to the grocery list. Now we're cooking with gas. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> oh, my God, that is so good. Oh, I'll occasionally talk to one of my old high school friends and be reminded, oh, that's right, we talk like that. (laughs) Yeah, it's good stuff. Oh, there's part of me that regrets uh, not living in the Midwest anymore because uh, some some of the nice people in America are in the middle part of the country, but uh, that is not really a big life regret. Uh, What are life's biggest regrets? We'll, We'll get back to the hard newsy stuff. China, the border, Biden, stimulus in a couple of minutes, but I thought this was interesting. The Royals. Oh, it's funny. My mind went to the Kansas City Royals. No. Probably because... Meghan Markle, who I look up and she's on the TV again. Hello! How many days until I won't see a clip from that Oprah interview? We're now four days out? It sounds like a wager taking shape. Good uh, lord! Wow. Wow. So you may recall in 2012, Australian caregiver Bronnie Ware wrote a book about her experiences uh, with folks who were dying and the five regrets that dying people told her about the most often. Uh, well, this bloke who published this article that I'm uh, touching on, and we've posted it at armstrongandgetty.com, because some of it's a little difficult to convey on the radio. It's very visual. But it's about life's biggest decisions, most common decisions, uh, how they intersect, and and then regrets, and his research, and the research he cites uh, completely backs up what that Australian gal wrote about, um, having been a, a hospice worker. Um, and I think this is this is the most interesting stuff. Five regrets that dying people told her most often. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wish mm, I had. I have to contemplate that. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's so heavy. I really need to let people uh, think about it for a while and apply it to their own lives. If your judges are like your friends and stuff like that, nah, nah you don't want to live the life they want. But if you're living the life your kids want you to live because you're being a good dad or something, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. What I about would say the more complicated the, the life your parents want versus the, the thing you want? Again, right. I have a trouble with that. Or, if my parents want me to be a responsible dad, then I want to. I have no problem with that. No, I think you're simultaneously under and over thinking this. Okay, think about that. Um, <laughs> I think people like you and me are are so independent minded. We're not going to live a life like uh, there are a lot of people who are way more concerned about what society expects of them, what their parents are. My dad did this, so I got to do this um, and fall into the line of what's expected of them. Uh, It's Willis number one. Uh, Second one, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Yes. Nobody ever says I wish I'd spent more time at the office. Uh, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. That's funny. I don't think I will think I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Maybe it's just because I have a job I like. I might think I wish I'd worked harder. Not not more or longer, but necessarily. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting question. Work sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Sucky jobs I had, I could look back and think I I wish I hadn't spent those years doing that. It made an impression on me that... But I had to eat, so, you know, I don't know. 
Right, but I don't. Yeah, that's that's not what people are talking about, though. I think it's it's guys who uh, through their forties, their fifties, mm. were just busting their ass working seventy five hours a week to rise up through the corporation. They realize their kids are strangers. Oh well, yeah, I don't have that situation, so yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, ba ba ba. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Yeah, I do. Uh, I wish I'd let myself be happier. Oh, I let myself be very happy. So let yourself be happier. That's a tough one too. Uh, maybe maybe that's the flip side of I worried too much about stupid little stuff. Hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, one of the, and I, I want to get to this before we run out of time, because there's more to this report, but I kind of I, I led with the punchline of the result. But the really interesting thing to me is that the, the most, the thing that most commonly describes the regrets is things not done. Virtually nobody says, I tried this and it didn't go well. It's all about things people didn't have the courage to try. Well, because the people, the person who regretted skydiving isn't there to answer your survey. <laughs> <laughs> A particularly vivid example, Sean. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, da. Okay. Uh, this anecdotal evidence receives support from more rag- rigorous academic research. For example, 2011 study asked a nationally representative sample of hundreds of Americans to describe one significant life regret. The six most commonly reported regrets involved romance. That was number one. I should have asked her out. Yeah, that sort of thing. See, the problem, you know, the problem with that one, and I think everybody could do that, but it, well, it depends on where you currently are. I'm so happy with my kids and everything like that, and that wouldn't might not be there. It's just it's just so troubling for me to envision a different possibility. I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I mean there are there are other career paths I might have taken, but as soon as I start down that road, I realize, oh, whoa, 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 none of this that I've I've done, none of this that I've got would be here anymore. So let's just be content. Uh, so romance number one, family's number two. Uh, Should have killed my uncle. Uh, let's see. Ed- education. <laughs> Should have killed my uncle. I wish I hadn't started hooping fentanyl. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, education is uh, 14%. I should have stayed in school. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's only 14%, but that's number three on the list. Career regrets is uh, just under that. Financial regrets. About 10% of us say that's number one. Well, some people really screw up their finances. And parenting regrets uh, rounded out the top five. That's too um, bad because there's no getting to the end line of parenting and batting a thousand. So no, but as I've t- I've spoken quite candidly, that's my number one regret in life is not handling my oldest kid better, not understanding her challenges a little better, and being a little more wise. Um, but you know, she's forgiven me. I'm having a little trouble doing it, but. Uh, although lost loves and unfulfilling relationships were the most common regrets, there was an interesting gender difference. If you're from Mars and have never dealt with men and women, for women, regrets about love, romance, and family were more common than regrets about work, while the reverse was true for men. No way. <laughs> but that's just social conditioning because of the whole uh, binary, hetero, cis, normative, uh, white supremacy, uh, intersectional uh, oppression of the world or something. No, it's because men are more commonly like this. Women are more commonly like that, no matter how much you wish it weren't true. So romance is number one. Yeah. I have a trouble wrapping my head around that. Because Just because it's such... So if you think about that, I should have asked that girl out in high school, you know, I liked her, and I kind of think she liked me, I should ask her. Your whole life is different. Quite possibly. Your entire everything 
Mm-hmm. Every every aspect of your life is different. That might so, be the appealing part of it, though. Okay. you you got to mm-hmm. really hate your life if you want every aspect of it to be different. A lot of people do. Huh? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, you're coming from the perspective you... of I'm in a, a fulfilling relationship and a, a career that I enjoy, right? There's a lot of people that don't get to check all those boxes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Be a little more sensitive there, Jack. Come on. <laughs> I wish I had been more sensitive. <laughs> hey, is a plastic surgery on this list? You wish you had gotten it or hadn't gotten it? Hadn't. <laughs> One too many. The Kenny Rogers principle. But I find this interesting. In the long run, it is inaction, deciding not to pursue something that generates more regret. I can believe that 100%. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I got several of my own. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So the lesson to take away is it's not the having tried something and it didn't work out that you regret. Uh, You know, how many people regret asking out the girl or starting the business or... You know, deciding I wanted to see if I could be a motocross racer. How many people ever regret that versus not having tried it, wondering your whole life? Oh, I don't I don't have any of those. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that in my life. I mean, unless it unless you invested everything in Beanie Babies in 1993 and you lost your ass and your wife left you. okay, then maybe that was a bad decision. But no, it's it's trying and failing is not failure. Failing to try. You're a failing. loser. Wrong. That's where you're wrong. Not a failure. Son. You're a loser. No, like I don't. <laughs> I don't know anybody. I'm trying to think of examples. I don't know anybody who played single A baseball for a year or two, who wishes they hadn't, or somebody that was in a band that never went anywhere who wished they didn't do that. I, I don't mm-hmm. know anybody like that. No. No, indeed. No. I kind of regret not doing that. To the point. So anyway, if there's something you're thinking about doing and and you've dreamed of it and, and you want to stick your neck out and it's try it. It's too late. Try it. Unless it's stupid. That's what you have to figure out. Is my idea stupid? <laughs> Am I any good at this? No. There's That's not that. the point. No. Hmm. no. That's pretty interesting, though. Yep. Seize the day, my friends. Carpe diem. Seize the carp. Carpe carp. Carpe carp is seize the carp. <laughs> think about it I have to remember that the next time I'm in the seafood aisle I can drop that hilarious little uh, witticism I believe that was a shot <laughs> on the, the butcher behind the counter Looking I am going to... to carpe carp this afternoon <laughs> I'll take right. that one right time there time to move on <laughs> we're talking to Tim Sandifer next hour about his fight for liberty great court cases he's involved in it's going to be really interesting we promise don't go away up with eligibility expanding. Alaska becoming the first state to offer vaccinations to anyone 16 and up. Vermont taking a similar step, but only for those with high-risk conditions. This as the list of states easing restrictions keeps growing. New York, New Jersey, and Maryland planning to relax rules on restaurants and businesses. Wyoming now the latest state dropping its mask mandate. 
Uh, I just saw L.A. movie theaters could reopen on Saturday. Hmm. That's kind of surprising to me. They say what wow. capacity? Uh, no, it doesn't okay. say in that. It might say in it's the It's a lot details. like these school reopening stories. Yeah. It's uh, missing significant details. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Because I know in, in New York they were having initially 25% capacity, scaling eventually to 50%, but not all chains were going to open at 25% because they couldn't do it profitably. They were just waiting for more capacity. So mm-hmm. allowed to open and theaters right. are opening are two different things. Yeah, and the people who say you can open at 25% capacity may know exactly what they're doing. They're not going to open. It doesn't make any money, so I get credit for saying you can open, and you still stay closed, so win-win for me. That might be what's going on. Um, I, uh, I've i heard a number of podcasts with various Beltway-type pundits and that sort of thing discussing this conversation of why Joe Biden didn't go for the bipartisan move on this giant stimulus package it's going through. I think it's a really interesting strategy, and I uh, it may be discussed for years to come, depending on how his presidency turns out. So this $1.9 trillion package has made it through. All the voting is more or less done, and it's going to get signed tomorrow with no Republican votes. He had the opportunity, Joe Biden, if you were paying attention, wherever that was, three weeks ago, when that group of 10 Republicans went to the White House and talked to him, and they showed up with, what, a $600,000 package that was going to include the checks, the stuff that everybody loves and polls so well, but not have all the nonsense in it. And, $600 billion, obviously. But, what did I say? 1000 Oh, yeah, $600 billion, which yeah. is a crazy amount of money. The TARP yeah. was 700 some billion, and the Tea Party was created out of it. People went so nuts. But anyway, um, and, and, and that went nowhere. And he could have decided, having run on the, I'm going to be a bipartisan president, I'm the president of everyone, um, this is a new era, blah, 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 all that stuff, all that stuff. He could have really cemented that. And it would have pissed off a lot of his left. But man, oh man, I think he would have been in a good position nationally. Uh, just in general, I think that crowd that's, that, that, that whole crowd of people that voted for him that just wanted kind of getting back to normal. This mm-hmm. looks like normal to me. I just think he would have been so solid as opposed to, okay, we're still in this game of my side or your side, 100%. Veering leftward and rightward in terms of policy. Yeah, I think he could have really scored points as a great man and a great president if he had led some giant bipartisan effort. Instead, he just decided to get everything they could get. Yeah. Is there a threshold of... Uh, at what point is there enough Republican votes on it that it is bipartisan? If there are only one or two, would it have... People, it's always driven me crazy. If you get one or two, people call it bipartisan, which I've always thought is ridiculous. But I, I, but I, but he could have gotten a seriously bipartisan. The way all legislation used to get passed. That's well, the way keeping... we used to pass legislation. The fringes always. always hated the legislation. The fringes never voted for the legislation in either party. And you got all those votes in the middle. That's how you got your majority. And keep in mind that the Republicans came in at six hundred billion. He could have gotten them over a trillion, probably, with some, you know, some of the not quite as crazy stuff left in there. A compromise. It's an interesting strategy, and I'm not certain which one would be better. I don't. I'm not claiming that. It's just he had the opportunity to get forty Democrats and you know ten, eleven Republicans, maybe more, and and just have a completely different sh- uh, sheen. On his presidency going forward. Oh, yeah, forward. think about the narrative. Yeah, the narrative just being completely different. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, books will be written about the discussions they had on how to handle that, I'm sure. 
I think there's probably too much energy on the left, and he had the votes to just ram it through. The does path that, of least resistance. Does that mean, okay, so it could be that. I was going to say, does that mean that the fringes are controlling the conversation more than I even realized? If he had 49 votes and not 50, it would have been completely different. I would have thought a guy, particularly a guy as old as Biden, I would have thought his legacy meant everything to him. But I was wrong. I was wrong. He did not approach it that way. Well, it's got a majority approval. So, you know, how it will be looked at over time, I don't know. You know, Obamacare has gotten more popular over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know how history will look at it. Well, what Biden's saying, and you never know if a politician is actually speaking from their heart and mind or if they're just spinning, but Biden says the one regret of the Obama years was they didn't go big enough. Mm-hmm. They were they were too measured. They should have just gone crazy and grabbed everything they could while they could. So, I don't know. Maybe he's showing his true stripes. He's He is actually, who was it? Brett Hume was pointing out the other night on Special Report with Brett Baer that Biden's viewed as a moderate and discussed as a moderate, but he's got a really liberal voting record, especially, you know, in recent, more recent years. Of course, you know, back in the Clinton years, though, Democrats were conservatives on a lot of stuff. I just my, my only point was that if he if he did the whole bipartisan thing and got, you know, the view of that, I think he's unbeatable for the second term if if he runs. I think he's just unbeatable. Well, he's beatable by time. That's the problem. <laughs> he's running against time and time's going to win. So imagine this. Time's got imagine a really good this. record. Yeah. Yeah. The police just suspect you may have been involved in a crime, and they take your car, and they keep it forever. You're never tried. You're never convicted. They just keep your stuff. Maybe you had some money. You were going to make a down payment on something. They keep your money. Well, the Goldwater Institute and our friend Tim Sandifer are fighting against this sort of thing, and in hour number three of the show, we'll talk to him about some recent victories. Cool. Um. Yeah, lots of stuff to talk about, and he's one of the leaders. Tim is on uh, personal freedom and personal property and all that stuff, and I want to ask him about the last year. Holy crap. Armstrong and Getty.